Welcome to the Fire Trainers Podcast, part of the network. This is Season 5, Episode 18, published on July 4th of 2023. Happy Independence Day, everyone. In this episode, we'll be talking with Brooke Cheney. I'm your host, Rob Beckman, and sit back and relax for another fun episode of the Fire Trainers Podcast. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Fire Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. All certified instructors can apply for FTA coverage. And remember, podcast listeners get 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Manus X. I've been a longtime Manus user from their original Manus X to the new Manus X10 that came out with a couple of years ago, and now excited about their most recent product, Manus Blackbeard X. The Manus Blackbeard X combines the Manus 10 and the Manus Blackbeard system into one platform for the AR-15. It unleashes a completely new capability with in-depth dynamic shooting analysis, including motion-based analysis and multi-target engagement, something no one has done before. Manus Blackbeard X connects to your smartphone via Bluetooth and can easily download the Manus X application for Android and iOS. The Manus X application gives you history on all your previous sessions, as well as new drills for the modern sporting rifle. Manus X changed the way I train, and I think you'll find the Manus Blackbeard X is a great training aid for yourself and your students. Check out Manus X for more information on their Manus products, including the new Manus Blackbeard systems. That is ManusX.com. We bring this podcast to support the industry, Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy in making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined by Brooke Shaney from A Great Start Shooting School. Welcome, Brooke. Thanks for coming on. Hey, no problem. Glad to be here. Before we jump into our topic, can you give our, our listeners a little bit about who Brooke Shaney is and what you do? Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, I'll do my best. Okay. So, uh, I am in Connecticut. I own A Great Start Shooting School. I am in my ninth year in business here, and I became a instructor by accident, a training counselor by accident, and a Second Amendment advocate by accident. Um, most of my life is an accident, it sounds like. So um, let's see, how did this start? Well, I got into the gun world because I had children. I'd previously been a gun owner, but I was one of those gun owners that was like, oh yeah, 10 round mag bands, if the politician thinks it's a good idea, we should do that. And then I had kids. And then I realized how little I knew about firearms. And so I started educating myself and I found it was really hard to be a non-gun person with guns to find education. And it took me a couple of years. I got into competition because uh, someone thought it'd be cool to have an all girls team for a bullseye mm -hmm. in our a shooting club. And so I was really lucky to get in. I'm like, but they asked me, like, do you want to be on the team? I'm like, guys, I suck. Why would you want me on the team? Like, we just want an all-girls team. I'm like, cool. So I could get into competition knowing that I sucked. And that's why it was doable. Competition got me in. Bullseye competition got me into action shooting competition. Action shooting competition got me introduced to people like Kitty Richards and a bunch of other folks that then got me into a girl and a gun. That got me into, oh, my goodness, teaching and sharing this with people is fun. And so... That's one of the things that I do. It's how I got into a great start shooting school. I know you asked me here because we were, you saw one of my suicide prevention Saturdays. Mm -hmm. uh, I started those in 2018. And 
I put the original one up on YouTube not that long ago. And in 2018, I'm like, hey, suicide super important to talk about. I don't know if I'm ever going to do another one of these, but when we're talking right now, it's 2023. And I think I've maybe missed two, maybe four Saturdays since 2018. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes life doesn't go according to plan. So we have suicide French and Sunday or Friday. I can identify with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I don't know, dude, there's so much. So is that good enough or would you like to know more? That's that's good enough because uh, you know we're going to dive in a little bit more on all those different topics to uh, you know see um, to see what who Brooke, Brooke Cheney is. So, hey, a first question for you: You said you're an instructor and training counselor. Who do you? Uh, what what curriculums do you teach? All right, so uh, I became a NRA instructor in 2011, and in 2017 or 18, I became a training counselor for uh, NRA. Just this past March, I actually started doing USCCA as well for instructing. So as far as that goes, I'm also an IDPA and USPSA range officer, safety officer uh, as well for some of the certifications that I hold Mm -hmm. for shooting. Very good. Um, what, What made you start Suicide Saturday? Was there any impetus behind it? Yeah. So Suicide Prevention Saturday is honestly there because nobody wants to talk about suicide. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whenever anyone dies by suicide, nobody talks about it at the funeral. Funerals are hard enough to begin with. But so by 2018, I've been to a few Aiming for Zero matches. And for those of you who don't know, Aiming for Zero is the idea that veterans are at a much higher risk than the average person of suicide. And so Aiming for Zero is a benefit event that we as competitive shooters put on to raise money, to raise awareness for suicide prevention, specifically for veterans. And I am not a veteran, but I think suicide prevention for everyone is super important. The other part of this is that since 2010, when I got into competitive shooting, I kind of realized wow, the politicians don't know or don't understand that a 10-round mag ban A is a gun ban, but B does nothing to actually prevent violence. And then 2013, we had Sandy Hook, and that was my first time speaking in front of a rally. And it was another moment where it's just like, I really dug into violence prevention. And having dug, you know, really looking at what does the FBI say? What does the Department of Justice say? what does secret service say about violence prevention and it had nothing to do with laws and then i looked harder and longer and it's like suicide two out of every three gun deaths are suicide and so because i learned that i'm like as gun owners we need to talk about suicide a lot Mm -hmm. two out of every three gun deaths are actually suicide that the cdc talks about then we need to raise that awareness And then on the other side of it is also personal because I was suicidal as a teen. And so I could talk to it from that point of view as well. Mm -hmm. Well, That's uh, some great, great purpose behind it because um, one thing that's, that's really, well, I've talked about before on the podcast is gun owners are horribly successful at, at um, 
at suicides because we're using guns most of the time and it's they can't pump your stomach they can't bandage you they can't do things like that it's most of the time terminal and it's one of those things to where more we talk about it um the better people know what the resources are they also i think uh, talking about it also helps to where you realize your family you know you know that's who you're impacting it might seem like you're 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 taking away the pain on yourself, but you're actually throwing that pain onto your family. And those are, that's one of those things to where it's, uh, you know, important to talk about it and important to make sure people don't make that um, irreversible decision. Absolutely. And, and it's yeah. interesting. Um, I actually have on my suicide prevention Saturday on my YouTube channel, I have an interview with a gentleman who tried to commit suicide with a firearm and failed. So uh, you never know. So yes, unfortunately, though, like you said, generally people are very uh, successful when they attempt suicide with a firearm. And I will tell you that it is a primarily masculine challenge. Um, that is another one of those things that I've kind of looked into is like, again, our veterans are twice as likely as the average citizen to, to commit suicide, regardless of how. Uh, unfortunately, I because I talk about it, people do come to me with stories, and mm -hmm. I get to hear about the veteran who poured a gallon of gasoline over himself and lit himself on fire. I get to yeah. hear about that sort of thing, and it's just like most people don't realize how rampant it is. They they because nobody wants to talk about it. Well, so, uh, yes. the the average is twenty two veterans a day commit suicide, roughly. and when yeah uh, roughly. And the thing about it is that, I, you know, I look at it is these are people that you know, have served their four years or at least four years have, you know, done what the country's asked them to do. And then they come out of it. And for multitude of reasons, they see no other way out than to, you know, commit suicide. And that's where I think we as a country owe them to help them to find other other ways of uh, coping with it and i'm not saying what they went through is easy to cope with um you know war military service all those things can be you know very challenging but at the same time if they're willing to put their life in line for the country then the country should return the favor to them and make sure they're they're not um you know forgotten when they come back home absolutely without a doubt Definitely. Well, one of the things you talk about a lot on your uh, podcast, or at least one of the ones I've listened to, was uh, service. Can you talk talk a little bit about that also? Because I thought that was kind of interesting from a uh, firearm perspective that you're uh, encouraging people to go out and serve in the community and get involved involved more than just teaching gun classes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So a couple of weeks ago, I did a uh... Up, uh, YouTube on my YouTube channel, it's volunteers needed, how helping those in need fills your cup. And one of the things that I can tell you personally about depression and suicide or suicidal thoughts is that you are focusing 1000% on yourself. Rob, like you had said earlier, it's like, you said, you didn't say it this way, but basically when someone commits suicide is being very selfish. They're not thinking about anyone. They're not thinking about the people they're leaving behind. And if you're dealing with anxiety, if you're dealing with depression, if you're dealing with um, issues where everything just feels overwhelming, it seems like the last thing you would have time to do is reach out and help someone else. But the actuality of it is serving others is often a great way for you to come out of your darkness. 
because all of a sudden you're getting out of your own way and helping take care of someone else. And humans in general, I've been in sales for a long time. I was a Mary Kay lady for 10 years. Uh, my grandma back in the 70s, one of the first Amway ladies ever. And so as a little kid, like eight, nine, 10 years old, it's like each one reach one was kind of the way mm-hmm. that they explained it. And that's just it is each one of us has the ability to reach someone else. And so often when you're in depression, anxiety, you're so overwhelmed because all you're doing is focusing on you and what sucks in your life and what's hard for you and the pain you are suffering. Yet, if I'm like, okay, guess what? We need volunteer firefighters right now in a big way in most communities. Mm -hmm. We need people to serve. People aren't even working, much less volunteering. It's a very weird time in America right now, without a doubt. But the volunteerism, A, is needed desperately. Uh, Just before we got hopped on this to just before you hit record, we were talking about some of the amazing events that are going on in America right now, whether it's mm-hmm. Rick Hector and uh, or Tony Simons or the all of these things. It's like it's not just instructing for free. It's helping your community at the community level because mm-hmm. so often people are just overwhelmed. So, yeah, the volunteerism is just about getting out of your own way and trying to not be focused just on you, because when you give someone a gift whether it's your time or a physical gift, you're really getting the gift in return. Mm -hmm. Like last year was my first time hanging out with Rick Ector out in Detroit at his um, all ladies shoot for the weekend. And it's the only time I've ever traveled for gun stuff. That wasn't me getting trained. (laughs) So, but it's just like, it's so great to be able to give back. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately about 10% of, Americans actually volunteer. We need to up those numbers, man. <laughs> definitely. And and from a firearm uh, perspective, um, I'm sure you can go along and, and make an argument that getting your name out there will help your business. But also from the other standpoint, it's uh, a good mental health break from focusing on, you know, guns all the time and talking to other people and having, you know, getting experience of what those other people might be going through. Um, I volunteered, I volunteer quite a bit with scouts here in the greater Cincinnati area. And it, it goes along, allows you to see, uh, kids that can barely tie their shoes when they get into scouting to where they, uh, this weekend, I'm actually going to one of my, uh, scouts, uh, weddings. He's, uh, 28 years old and got his Eagle Scout and is doing very well. And it's one of those things where you, you realize that, you know, when they're, you know, nine, 10, 11 years old, they seem like they have no idea what they're doing, but put, volunteering and put a little bit of your time in there really helps guide them and get, get them on the right track. And I think if we had more adult mentorship of uh, youth and saying, you know, I, this is what happened and this is, you know, you might think twice about whatever you're thinking about doing because of this, this, and this could impact your life long-term or go along and, you know, do some positive things, you know, teach people how to do things. Uh, schools around us have a lot of uh, service, community service that's required uh, for graduation. And the one thing that's nice about that is they get out and they go to soup kitchens, they get out and do uh, neighborhood cleanups, they get out and do different things. And that's important uh, to start that early. So they realize that giving back just a little bit, can really change somebody's life around for it. And it doesn't cost money, but it just did a little of your time and 
focusing on, you know, on a couple weekends a year makes a big difference. Absolutely. I mean, I think I started, one of my first things was like habitats with humanity or habitat mm-hmm. for humanity, um, where they go and actually build people's houses and stuff like that. And, um, soup kitchens are great. Red cross, local mm-hmm. charities, um, animal shelters. Let's say you don't really like people. Cause you know, there's some of us who don't really like people. Don't get along uh, with but, them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, you tolerate people, but you love dogs. So you can go to the humane society and offer to volunteer, and it, it's, there's always something that you can do. And it's like, people don't even think to look, they're like, I don't want to be a firefighter. I'm like, no, you can still volunteer at your fire department and you could help with the next chicken dinner they have or their barbecue or whatever. And I think people get overwhelmed, sort of like finding firearms training, right? They don't even know where to start because yeah. they well, just don't yeah, know. There's- Lots of places volunteer. You know, one of the things that popped in my mind, besides like volunteering at the, you know, chicken dinner for the volunteer fire department, you've got parks around either for your county or for your state. And a lot of times they've got volunteer programs to where you can help, you know, be the welcome committee, you know, on the weekends for campers coming in, or you can go along and be an interpretive, you know, uh, guide to take uh, groups on hikes on the weekends, you know, just all kinds of fun stuff like that. And uh, again, doesn't take a lot of your time, but it just takes, you get out of your shell and, uh, you know, say, Hey, you know, I'll do something. Absolutely. And, and yeah. So the, the one that you saw, like I said, it was definitely more a matter of to give people ideas of where they could go because I volunteered most of my life. I, like I said, I, like I started Sunday school when I was like 14 years old and volunteered and helped teach taught. And then, uh, 18 or 19, I started teaching the rec department soccer and taught. Um, I volunteered at lots of other places along the ways without giving away my age. No, I really don't care about my age. I'm over 50 now. <laughs> but I'll bet you too, you just like I was talking about the with the scout I have whose wedding I'm going to, you probably have uh, people that you coached, people that were in Sunday school that you can go along and say, now they're they're, they're giving back and they're volunteering in their own way to the community, or you're seeing them being a productive part of, of the, of society, which is uh, a great reward in itself, knowing that you, you were, had a small part in, in shaping that person's life. Absolutely. And there's also, and this is the other part of it. You never know. You never know how many lives you've touched. You don't know how simple act of, like you said, giving up one or two weekends a year. Maybe you just help with the Toys for Tots drive in December or Thanksgiving, or you help with a blood drive um, just once even. You have no idea how many lives you are touching and saving. And so many people feel overwhelmed and underappreciated, and they just have no idea that it's really simple to make a difference. And I know in a society where everybody wants more likes, more shares, more this, more that, it's just like, do you know your neighbor's name? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what's needed in your community. And this is where being a gun person kind of got me more involved in everything. I didn't know anything about politics prior to owning a firearm. Or no, sorry, prior to being aware of our Second Amendment rights. Because I had no reason to be part of our government Uh, I am currently an elected official. This is like my third term serving. 
uh, in our little town here in Harwington. That's even something you can volunteer for because the local state or the local town stuff is pretty much all volunteer. All those people who put their names on the ballot, that's volunteer. And it's for two, five, who knows however many years because every state and town is different. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, forgot about that. So yeah, I volunteered there too. <laughs> but, yeah, and it makes, uh, you know, such a, big impact overall. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate before my, uh, scoutmasters, uh, passed away because I won't reveal my age, but I'm over 50 also. And, uh, but you know, I was able to go along and show them, you know, kind of, you know, show them, Hey, you know, I appreciate what you did for me. And, you know, this is where, where I've, I've gone with what you gave me. And that was, you know, hopefully very satisfying uh, for them to see that. And uh, I still have one scoutmaster still alive, but all the rest of them, unfortunately, have uh, passed away because they were the you know older, wiser people that were running the troop at the time. And now I'm the older, wiser people helping to run the troop. So it's um, yeah, it's uh, it's very fun. And there's a lot of opportunities out there to help in a lot of different ways. And again, a small part can be, you know, uh, can be, you know, just getting your name out. Uh, in the uh, community, I know uh, for my business, I go along and uh, help in some of the local raffles uh, that where they need sponsorships to, you know, they sell tickets, but they also uh, have prizes. So I put money toward those prizes. And you know, again, have I gotten business from it? I don't know, but I know I'm helping a good cause. Right. And, and that just is, you just have to try. Uh, again, Suicide Prevention Saturday started as a quick 10, 15 minute thing once a week just to say hey we're here because two out of every three gun deaths are suicide so if we want to save lives we should be paying attention to suicide because imagine how many lives we could actually save because if we focused on suicide prevention we wouldn't just save the gun deaths we could save so many more mm -hmm. and as i've been in politics and following all of this stuff it's like funny Suicide prevention and violence prevention are actually very similar. It, it's about the sense of community. It's about someone feeling worthwhile. It's about someone feeling heard. These things are the things that allow people to take care of their mental health or mm -hmm. realize that they are worthy because violence is generally just the breakdown of communication when you break it down to the very lowest parts. As long as people are fed, clothed, and sheltered, those are your basic human needs. From there, that is where we need to start working on, well, honestly, some places we have to work on that. Uh, when, I, when I just went to the Capitol last week and dropped off my letter, it's like violence prevention, according to the CDC, is making people make sure that they are taken care of their basic human needs must be taken care of and there isn't a single gun law out there that does anything to take care of anyone mm -hmm. so. yeah exactly well and and that's where you know all the laws you know whether they're magazines whether they're firearm restrictions things like that you know for the for the entire history of our country you know killing somebody has been illegal and that's where okay you know you can call it whatever you want, but if you're willing to kill somebody, I'm pretty sure you're willing to go along and break whatever law, uh, you know, they, they tag on, on top of that. Yeah. So I go back even further. 
I'm like, since the first rock was laying on the ground and Cain mm-hmm. killed Abel, you know, yep. even God said, thou shalt not kill. And, and even if God wasn't the one, let's say you're not a Christian and you don't believe in God. I'm like, the oldest, one of the oldest books in the world says, thou shalt not kill. It's kind of been verboten for a long, long time of our history. Yeah. And every society uh, that I know of, that's pretty much been uh, the rule because obviously society is not going to grow if, uh, if, uh, you know, if people just go around killing each other for, for whatever reason, it just does not work. It is true. It is true. So question for you, uh, because one of the things I picked up on your uh, podcast too, is your, uh, your thoughts on uh, gun-free zones. What are your thoughts on those? Ah, so gun-free zones. Yeah. So that actually was in my testimony for my uh, lovely politicians. I went and gave it to every single politician that we have in Connecticut last week. Gun-free zones. I cannot understand when almost every headline that you hear about, whether it's Sandy Hook, Pulse Nightclub, Vegas, they all occurred in gun-free zones. So regardless of what you think the statistics say, if almost every headline you hear about is a gun-free zone, why in the world would we want to create any more? So this is one of those things where one of the common things you hear is, oh, common sense, gun laws. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like, all right, if everything I'm hearing about is a gun-free zone where all these mass shootings are occurring, because that's what the headlines are telling us. How is it that you think more gun-free zones would make us any safer? Uh, One of my uh, sisters in DC project, Nikki Gosler, has a horrible story of going into a gun-free zone and her husband was, and she was a law-abiding gun owner and she left her firearm in her car. And her and her husband went into this restaurant and she wasn't aware at the time, but she had a stalker. Her stalker walked into the gun-free zone where she had left her gun behind and shot her husband to death in a gun-free zone. It, and it's just, it, it makes zero sense. I've been to DC with the DC project. I've talked to many anti-gunners about just simple things of, you know, black rifle bad. And it's just like, okay. Do you understand that's 0.002% of all the deaths in America, according to the FBI statistics, because they actually take all these stats and say that these things, um, you know, they write it all down. And it's, it's one of these things where it's very challenging to talk to people who are attached to their emotions and their hate of firearms, but they really don't have any passion for actually violence prevention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Washington, D.C. is a really good example of that. Per capita, it leads. Uh, it's one of the top 10 cities in the United States for violence, even though, you know, much of D.C., because it's the you know, capital, the White House, um, you know, all all these government buildings, guns are prohibited in it, but they still have high levels of violence. So what does that tell you? tells you the the criminal is still going to be what criminals do and that's going to they're going to be victimizing people even if they're not supposed to be carrying a gun someplace they'll avoid it or they'll come in when they choose and but they're guaranteed that nobody in there is going to be able to defend themselves absolutely it's like uh we have a college here in the next town over and they have these little blue boxes that have a light on them and it's just like 
okay, so there's a little blue box with a blue light on it and I can pick it up and call the police if I'm getting attacked. And what is the saying? Cops are only minutes away when seconds count. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here's the other part of actually studying gun-free zones is there's a lot of conversation regarding ha- arming teachers because so many schools are already gun-free zones. And it's just like, no, if you actually look at the FBI, DOJ research and Department of Education on Columbine and school shooters, and specifically school shooters, and just like the one we just had, uh, and oh, I'm horrible with names, but um, they plan and they plan for soft targets. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know what a soft target is, it's anywhere there's no guns. There's not going to be any resistance. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to arm teachers. All you have to do is no longer make it a gun-free zone because that puts enough of a question in the would-be attacker's mind of, all right, if it's not a gun-free zone, I don't know if anyone is going to be caring because people like Nikki who are law-abiding gun owners as best as we can be, will not bring a gun to a gun-free zone. But criminals just need to have the slightest hint of there could be resistance, and that is often enough to deter them. And that's one of those reports that gets put away and nobody looks at. And this is a thing that's driven me crazy over the last decade plus of going to the Capitol, whether it's here in Connecticut or in D.C., because the information is out there on how to prevent violence and gun-free zones are certainly not successful in doing that. Mm-hmm. And definitely. Um, when I took the uh, Faster Saves Lives uh, school uh, training, one of the things that they uh, talk about is you don't necessarily have to be armed. You just have to be able to go along and be willing to m- make a difference. And that is, you know, doing what you have to to stop the shooting going along and knowing how to, uh, you know, attend to the, to anybody who's hurt, you know, wounded, uh, from it. And, you know, just, just having that mindset that if you don't do something, uh, immediately that is going to get a lot worse, um, very, very quickly. And those are all, uh, very thing, very poignant things that hit me when I was taking the course where they talk about, you know, the name faster saves lives is exactly what it means. The faster you can stop the shooting, faster you can stop the killer the faster you will save lives and and those that's one of those things where that gets completely lost and unfortunately um i think part of it i'll uh, my frustration is in our legal system because when you're a school a business wherever you can claim that you know you you had no control over that person that came into your workplace and you know start shooting people you know it's you know it's not our fault so I, you can't find me liable for it, but if you allow people to uh, defend themselves, then all of a sudden we somehow find the business liable for it because you allowed them to carry a gun in here as an employee, as a teacher, something along those lines. And it's like, but at the same time, they're either going to be good with, with it, or they're going to do evil with it. And if they do evil with it, guess what? You'd rather have more good guys with guns and the other way around. And it's one of those I think we could see the gun-free zones really turn around if if a business school, um, you know, 
somebody got sued over not allowing the guns there and the court agreeing that if they would have allowed guns there then it would have made a big difference so they're liable for those you know 10 people that got shot or some or whatever the number is yeah it's definitely hard i mean there is no easy answer there is no one size fits all Mm -hmm. and life in general is a challenge (laughs) and this is the other thing i try to do on that suicide prevention saturday is 10 or 15 minutes to talk about what's something else you could do. Like you said, the one you caught was volunteerism. Uh, I actually, for next month, I've got someone coming on for breathing. Something as simple as that. Uh, Remembering that the breath you're taking right now is a miracle, regardless of whether you believe in anything greater than you, but just think about all the chemical reactions that are happening to the air that you cannot see in front of you that is going into your lungs and the things that you need from that are being taken out into your bloodstream and your heart continue. I mean, the fact that you and I are miracles just by sitting here because it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. And so that is kind of the other point of Susan Star Engine Saturday is little tiny bites of what's possible. Why are you important? What makes you important? Because here's the thing. If you feel important, if you understand you matter, if you believe that you are important in the world, that you have something to give, whether it's volunteering your time or helping your mom or taking care of a foster kid or a foster pet, then that's one step closer when each one of us feels that way to finding a place where violence is not as prevalent. Mm -hmm one step closer to people not committing suicide and realizing that they do matter. And that is kind of my ultimate goal is just to say, yeah, we can talk about suicide. Yes. You can ask somebody, Hey, you're having a real bad day. Are are you considering hurting yourself? And people are so afraid to ask that question, especially in the gun world. And this is where people like Jake and, um, Oh my gosh. Mike. Thank you. Mike Sadini. Uh come in with Walk the Talk America. I'm like, I should never drop names. I always screw this up. <laughs> but um getting gun people to talk about just in general mental health. Mm, definitely. Um, because if if I'm having, you know, some mental health challenges, I probably would be a little bit more willing to open up to somebody who I'm going to the range with, you know, uh, you know, another firearm buddy, things like that, than just opening up to the, um, psychologist down the road who does the you know, family counseling, you know, the, along those lines. And, you know, that me- multitude of reasons because most medical professionals aren't necessarily gun people don't necessarily understand it. And that could go send you down a rabbit hole that you really don't want to go down. Um, in a lot of cases, for it. But if you've got a friend who's already a gun owner, A, you can have a good conversation with them. And B, if it makes most sense to give them your guns for, you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months until you feel better, you know, you can walk over there and get them back without too much of a problem for it. And that's where, you know, some of the states, when, when they're uh, instituting the universal background checks, are inadvertently going along and making it harder to do this, do the best thing. And that is by removing the guns from the, uh, you know, from the premise for it. But if I go along and take him from my brother, because he's having problems, guess what? Then I'm committing a felony. He's committing a felony, even though everybody would go along and agree that, that was the best, th- best move to make. 
Absolutely. And this goes back to our legal system being quite a disaster and people continuing to make more laws when no one's gone to clean the books up in forever. Mm -hmm. Uh, Once in a while we get through here in Connecticut, we get rid of a couple blue laws here and there that are just based on church alone. And um, this is where people like Sarah Joy Albrecht have a problem with hold my guns because again, the transferring of a firearm to another person is hard. However, I can't remember who I was listening to, but it might've been you guys on Flight Society Podcast. I'm not (laughs) sure, but we're talking about, you don't have to take the gun because let's try not to go too many rabbit holes. But as far as I know right now, as far as the ATF is concerned, the frame of the gun is still the gun. So you can now take someone's upper or part of their firearm without the bulk, taking bulk the main carrier part. group, the barrels, yeah. things along those lines that we know and understand that makes the gun non-workable yeah. uh, for it, but you're not crossing those lines when it comes to universal background checks. Yeah. So, I mean, there's always a way, and this is just, it is to, um, one of my favorite people that I follow, his name is Billy Jean. He's got Billy Jean is marketing. I've been following forever. And one of his mission statements is, don't think outside the box. Think as if there is no box. So it's one of those things as gun owners, so often we 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 know the laws. We know the laws better than the politicians who are trying to change the laws. <laughs> and that's what yep. another reason it makes it so frustrating to be in politics at all. And but we that's why we have to speak up. But it's just one of these things where it's just like there's always a way. Mm-hmm. It's just being able to think and be resourceful enough to figure out, okay, how can I help? What can I do? And the red flag laws are horrible. Uh, they are well-intentioned. And that's the other part of this is like all of the, not all, a large majority of the folks that support anti-gun measures are real nice, sweet people who believe like I used to that the politicians know what they're doing and they have the information they need to make the correct decisions to serve the most of us. Mm-hmm. And I've been in politics long enough to know that's a bunch of hooey. <laughs> so it, but they, it's not that there's not people up there trying, they really are, but none of them can know everything. And that's the other thing that I've learned is like, Holy smokes. They've got here in Connecticut alone. They have over a thousand pieces of legislation go before them every stinking session and there's no way anyone can know all that and that's why it's so important for people like you and i to take the time to write the letter that says hey you're not even you're you're infringing on my second amendment rights it's hey here's some actual violence prevention ideas from the department mm-hmm. of justice here are some actual violence protection oh from the FBI, from the, the 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 gang violence prevention programs. Here are the things that actually work to help prevent violence in society. And keep one thing in mind. I know, you know, every time I send one of those letters off to a you know county commissioner, to a uh, state legislator or uh, congressman, that they're probably not going to be reading it. But the people that do read it are the staffers. And right. the staffers are the ones that are giving them the recommendation on on what they can find out about it. And many many staffers, when it comes to you know gun laws, they're not aware of it. And to your point, if you can educate them a little bit about you know what can work that can help reduce violence and those type of things, uh, you know, hey, 
that's that's a win for our side that we're educating somebody who is trying to do the trying to do the right thing but just doesn't know how to do the right thing exactly yeah. and this is where people are like oh my voice doesn't matter i'm like yes actually it does <laughs> as long as you say something more interesting than out of my cold dead hands mm -hmm. and that is the other challenge like i said before it's like we want to have our passion fueled by our second amendment rights However, the people who are emotional and want to save lives by writing more gun laws, you need to explain to them and help them understand how, well, it's not about my Second Amendment rights. If we want to prevent violence, guess what we need to focus on? <gasps> that mental health thing. Mm -hmm. And if we start focusing on the mental health thing, then all of us are going to be better because we're going to remember to take a breath. We're going to remember to meditate. We're going to remember to give back to our community. We're going to remember to take that glass of water and drink the second one because our mental health is everything. Because what does everyone complain about? Stress, mostly a lot. Mm -hmm. And stress is just lack of ability of tools to deal with what's going on around you. And sometimes you have more stress than others, you know, death of a loved one, loss of a child, things like that. Mm -hmm. And Americans are not really that awesome at dealing with stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Which is a really good segue to my last question for you. Can you explain to us what QPR is? Uh, question, persuade, refer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go and look that up, Google it or, you know, brave it or whatever. And um, it is a one day training. And I think it really actually is only half a day training. And they just talk about how important it is. If you have a friend that you are concerned about, it is absolutely okay to question them to check in to see how they're doing. And if you find a friend is suicidal or looking to cause harm to themselves, you should refer them to someone who can take care of them. It doesn't make you a counselor. It just makes you a person that perhaps you know some resources in the area. Mm -hmm. And then the persuade them, obviously, is if you refer them somewhere, you want to persuade them to go. And when I took the training, our instructor actually talked about how he had a family friend who he knew was in a bad way, and he called the cops on her and got her committed. And she was mad and hated him and wouldn't talk to him for two or three years. And then after that, came back to him and said, thank you for saving my life. So... Question QPR training is something anyone can take and it doesn't usually cost anything. A lot of places put it on for free, but they're always looking for volunteers. <laughs> Speaking of volunteers. Mm -hmm. So um, that is what QPR is. Yeah. Good. Okay. Great information, uh, Brooke. Uh, now for the big question of the podcast, can you name an event or a place that you think people, uh, and the 2A community should go see or do that oh, you would recommend? How many, how many am I allowed to say now? <laughs> Give it the top two. Top two. All right. I think going to an Appleseed event is one of the best things every gun owner could possibly do because the Appleseed allows you to be introduced to riflemanship, 
But more importantly, the turning of the tides from being subjects of England to Americans. And it is story time and history uh, modeled in there with marksmanship training for rifles. And it is just, it's an amazing event. My husband tried to get me to go for like two, three years, easy. And I had small kids at the time and it was really hard to get there. But once I went, I went like two, three years in a row because it was that good. Mm -hmm. So I think that really, really helps for Americans to understand the turn of events that helped us become America. Mm -hmm. Definitely. That's, that's a, that's a great suggestion. Really great. For it. And the Appleseed events, uh, if you're not familiar with them, are done all across America. And you can check out their website for more information to see if there's one near you. And if you want to sponsor one near you, they've got information on the website on how you can contact them about sponsoring uh, one of those events uh, at your local uh, range. So very good information. Well, Brooke, where can people find more information about what you are doing, teaching, classes you're giving, and what you're volunteering uh, lately for? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I've actually cut down on my volunteering lately. <laughs> so a great start to do school is the easiest way to find me. And that is my website, a great start shooting school. If you don't feel like typing all of that, you can go a G S S S three S's.com. Cause most of us are lazy. Uh, so that is my, my, my uh, shooting school and you can book online with me. I do in-person classes primarily. I do small classes because I really like that one-on-one -on -one event. However, I'm getting more and more requests for small groups. So I'm working on that as well. I just, oh my goodness. I'm, I primarily offer one-on-one -on -one to help people go from clueless to confident with firearms because I found it so overwhelming when I started to be able to actually even find and understand what training was available to me. Mm-hmm. Special events. Uh, we have National Train a Teacher come Day coming up in June, which is a free event for teachers and volunteers of things like Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. And if you volunteer in your community to help people, it doesn't have to be an official teacher teacher. Uh, I have one person signed up so far and she's like, how do you know I'm a real teacher or volunteer? And I'm like, I have faith in humanity. That is it. And so, but my schedule changes all the time off to USPSA area seven, uh, shortly up in Maine. So that's going to be fun. So, yeah. So a great start shooting school is a great place to go. I have an events page that talks about anything that's up, up and coming. I offer private stuff. I go to corporations and do refuse to be a victim, um, different talks like that. So I'm always bookable. <laughs> so good, good. And I will, uh, Put your YouTube channel and your uh, website on there so people can find out what you're doing and where you're at. Well, Brooke, I appreciate your time today and uh, look forward to uh, seeing you on the range down the road. Very cool. Thanks for having me, Rob. Have a good one. That's a wrap for this episode. And I hope you got some valuable information out of my conversation, Brooke, and hopefully you can share this with your uh, friends, make, uh, make the world just a little bit better place for everybody. Have a topic, suggestion somebody to talk to, um, email me your thoughts on those. Somebody that might be interesting topic, be interesting. FTP at concealedcarry.com. Also, don't forget about the Guardian Conference, September 15th through the 17th of 2023 in Oklahoma City. Also, leave us comments on our website, farmtrainerpodcast.com, and search for previous episodes. 
on all different kinds of topics that we have out there. Visit our sponsors, especially the Farm Trainer Association, FTAProtect.com, and check out their instructor insurance. Podcast listeners get 10% off by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. We bring this podcast, support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor out there in America dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Happy Fourth of July, everyone. Stay safe. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.